Hey, and welcome to another episode of the AT Banter Podcast. You suck. That was terrible. <laughs> I didn't have a frog in my throat. Whatever. <laughs> really. <Remember. clears throat> This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Hello. I decided not to do it this week. Why? Why? <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> to be different. No, to throw me <laughs> throw me off on a Monday. Yep. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Banter, banter. <laughs> uh, my name is Rob Minot, and join with me is the obstinate Ryan Flurry. Howdy. And uh, Mr. Cowbell. Okay, is here. It looks like I don't have your home address yet. What is it? Mm -hmm. Cancel. <laughs> Privacy concerns. That's right. Clearly. And we you, what? You don't want to give our entire podcast <laughs> audience your address? No. Nope. Why not? <laughs> Come on. And we haven't played Mr. Cowbell for the last two shows. Yeah, I know. Here. There we go. Welcome back, Cowbell. There you go. Uh, no Steve Barkley today. He's off on business. So uh, it's just the two of us. Not going to do it. Good. <laughs> um, so uh, today, let me tell you what we're doing, Ryan. That just would be to, awesome. Just to change it up since you're, you're so desperate to do things differently today <laughs> as opposed to any other week. I will tell you what we are doing today. Sounds good. We are talking to Anita Hofer, uh, who is the one associated with the Inclusio Development Project in Calgary, which is a 45-room, uh, fully automated, accessible living space for Calgarians. So that's pretty exciting. And we're also talking to uh, Mike Dummer, who is with Digital Lifestyles, who was actually the developer who was responsible for all the home automation. Uh, it should be an interesting show. It'll be interesting to talk to these guys because, you know, the, the this, you know, this Inclusio development has actually been in the news quite a bit over the past uh, month or so. So been looking forward to having him on the show. Mm -hmm. So how are you doing? I'm doing ducky. No, you're not, you liar. You're right. My schedule's out of whack. My wife left me only for a week. Um, but yeah, it's kind of strange. Yeah, so where'd she go? She went up to visit her uncle who had a knee replacement last week. So she's been helping him out. So you've been pinballing around the place by yourself, batching it up? Yeah. It's too quiet, though. I need other noises in the house. Yeah. I'm not sure I like this living as a bachelor anymore. Mm, uh, really? Yeah. Oh, man, I love it. Really? Oh, it's great. <laughs> You're not lonely? No. Really? Well, I guess you have that blow-up doll. No, shut up. <laughs> leave, you leave Betty out of this. I thought it was Sally. No. Oh, yeah, I Sally it, was last year. It, oh, I think it had for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Ran out of puncture repair kits. So. 
<laughs> no, uh, no, I'm I'm loving. Yeah, I, I every night I'm I'm so addicted to the the reality show that is the Trump White House that it's it's amazing. I can't be bothered. I, CNN is just I I just can watch CNN for hours and really? hours. Oh, it's so great. Uh, I'm just not interested. It's, every day is just a new train wreck, and hmm. it's just it's fascinating to watch. So that that takes up a lot of my time and yeah, this damn podcast. Um, hey, um. Before we get going, uh, I wanted to bring up, I, I noticed this uh, article from our good f- friends at Cool Blind Tech over the weekend. Uh, have you heard of this Microsoft, this new Microsoft app called Soundscape? I read a little bit of the article. I saw the headline, so I guess I didn't read the article. Um, yeah, sounds interesting. It's very it's interesting. to I mean, actually get somebody on and talk about. Yeah, so for those people who out there that, that uh, haven't heard of this, uh, Microsoft has a new iOS app called Soundscape, uh, and it uses 3D audio technology to sort of map out landmarks and points of interest through audio cues. It, it users, can they can set um, specific audio beacons at specific destinations, um, and the app will provide sort of a, an audio cue when you pass by there. So, you know, between this and the Seeing AI app, uh, Microsoft's really kind of hitting it out of the park in terms of uh, of accessibility apps. There has definitely been a, lo- a big push on accessibility, and you know they're going to be at CSUN coming up later this month as well, and I'm sure their accessibility division will be there. So it's exciting to see what's coming down. You know, there's a new version of Windows 10 that'll probably be out in the next month. And, you know, they're always including more and more accessibility uh, don't features. E- don't talk to me about a new, ver- <laughs> new version of Windows 10. Yep. It's, it's interesting. What, what I wonder and what I couldn't really uh, suss out of the article was whether or not um, it's crowdsourced. Like, so, for example, if you set an audio cue for the whatever, the Nike store in your mall, uh, whether that gets fed to a cloud and so somebody else is able to download your... Um, you know your waypoints, your your you know points right. of interest. I'm a little fuzzy on that, so um, I'll have to wait until I can actually download that and, and play with it a little bit. But uh, um, and of course, you know Ryan's grumpy because the fact that it's being released for iOS first, which is the same thing for the Seeing Eye app, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's still being developed for Android, right? Uh, it's being developed, yeah. Or, They're working on it. Or, yeah, I think they sent out a survey. They want people who are using Android to fill out and send back to them to get, give them feedback. But it is something that is coming. Right. So, that you know, that's a little bit of a sore point for, for you know, we Android users. Uh, iOS seems to get the fun first, um, even though, you know, Android you know, is a pretty good market share. And I wouldn't, I don't, I don't know what, what the numbers are, but. I would say that it's it's fairly substantial, right? Right. I uh, overall, I'd say there's a lot more Android users in the world than there are iOS. Oh, you, you think know, so? In the world overall, yeah. Really? If you're talking just blind users, um, that wow. number, that number is growing all the time. Sure. Um, you know, but I guess everybody still thinks iOS is king in the blindness low vision so maybe that's what it is so so in terms of when you're developing a a blindness or a or even any sort of accessibility app ios is still sort of king yeah and i think there's probably technologies out there you know like microsoft is changing the way they do their apps and they're going to what are called progressive web apps and basically a developer will be able to develop an app once and it'll be cross-platform so 
if that's the case, then it shouldn't be long before Microsoft or a third-party developer develops an app, you know, puts it in its little wrapper and sends it out and we all get it at the same time. Right. You know, that would be awesome. But we'll see. Sure. You know, <clears throat> I, I, yeah, I've actually in the last couple of weeks been thinking, you know, my next phone may be an iPhone just so I can get these apps. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I could, I could see that. The, what, what I find interesting about this particular app, we have this sort of beacon technology that's sort of running alongside something like this uh, as well. And I, I just wonder if they're, it's more, it, it, they sort of are in competition with, with each other or at the end of the day, once we get some really great beacon technology and, and um, beacon apps, between that, this, and something like seeing AI, I mean, you could have a really powerful low vision and blindness solution yeah, on, right on your smartphone. Yeah, and I don't think it would replace the beacon technology. I know, like with the right here beacons, the information you get fed is written in by, you know, whoever is administrating that beacon. So if you're walking down the street, you get an alert on your phone, it says, you know, Vancouver Public Library, 30 feet on your right. As you keep approaching, you'll get pinged by the next beacon that says you're at the main entrance, you know. So it's probably can be a lot more specific than something yeah. like this can be. Yeah. yeah, well, that's what I mean. So that so between all of them, if they, they're all working seamlessly together, um, you know, from your doorstep to your destination, you could have a really, really powerful... Um, mobility aid in you know once they're all sort of wrapped in yeah we're getting there you know seeing AI you know it gives you the OCR of short text documents barcode reading you know a lot of different features and they're adding more all the time so the iPhone's a pretty powerful tool right now yeah for sure so hopefully hopefully they'll expand that out roll that out to all us Android users as well and you know smartphones in general will just be you know, and there even were, you know, there, there's talk of smart canes as well. And sm we talked about smart paint a few weeks ago. It sounds like it's a pretty exciting time right now with all this stuff being developed. <laughs> Joining us today is Anita Hofer, who is the Director of Development for Accessible Housing. Uh, Anita, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So let's just start things. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you guys do uh, at Accessible Housing and, and how long has the... Uh, has the organization been going? Sure. Well, Accessible Housing is a Calgary-based not-for-profit organization that was founded in the early 70s. So we've been around for 40 years, just doing wow. sort of quiet, good work in the community. Um, the organization was founded by a woman whose brother was leaving hospital after a spinal cord injury, and there was literally no place for him to go. So this home was built to house 12 people that were leaving hospital and sort of needed a place to transition to, to learn how to self-manage their care and get their lives back. And then over the years, a number of other programs were added, a number of properties were added. And now we have many programs and services that serve a lot of different individuals. And we're not necessarily just focused on people with spinal cord injury, but many different kinds of limited mobility. And we, we serve people in the community. Um, you know, we have some seniors in some of our programs. We have families in one of our residential renovation programs. And then we're building a new home called Inclusio. So we've just got a lot of things on the go. Yeah, absolutely. And Inclusio is was actually one of was the actual development that sort of caught our eye. Um, I, I think I think Ryan noticed it on uh, the, on the CBC website. 
mm-hmm. which is which is what prompted us to to contact you and reach out and to get you on the show. Um, could you tell us a little bit about Inclusio and what kind of sets it apart from other developments that are kind of like it? Sure. Well, Inclusio is really different. So Inclusio is going to be a 45 unit home for people living in Calgary here. It's in the uh, northeast community of Capitol Hill, or rather northwest community of Capitol Hill. So first of all, the geography of the building is quite unique. So it's considered to be affordable housing. And when most people think of affordable housing, they don't think about necessarily the most beautiful neighborhoods in their cities. But this is literally where this home is. So it is in an just a gorgeous community that most people would want to live in on the edge of a beautiful park uh, with uh, Kensington, a really cool and hip area just down the road with UFC within easy transit distance, a church down the road. It's kind of like a chic hipster community uh, with beautiful with beautiful homes and great neighbors. So that's the first thing that makes it unique. But secondly, the building itself is really custom built. So the home is completely accessible. So in all of the resident spaces, there are five foot turning radiuses. So someone in a wheelchair can easily move around. Someone in a large power chair can easily move around. There's double elevators. The hallways are nice and wide. So everything is made so that a person with uh, that's a full-time wheelchair user can just get in and out. And so that if you have a place full of 45 people that are using wheelchairs, they can all move about easily. Because sometimes we think about having one or two folks with wheelchairs, but not necessarily you know, more than that. So. Right. It's a really exquisite place. Um, the views from the patios are beautiful to the park. The construction of the building is really different. And then we've got this new technology element, which has made, is meaning that um, the residents can just be a little bit more independent because they can access all of these things in their room so easily without the help of someone else. So it's going to be a really awesome place when it's done. So tell us a little bit about about the actual the technology part of it. Um, so I'm assuming you're referring to su- stuff like the, the smart home features and and a digital assistance and stuff. Is is that sort of the thing? That's- yeah, yeah. It's it's sort of like that. So all of the residents will have a smart device, so an iPhone or an iPad or something like that, um, where there's an app installed on the phone, which then connects them to technology in each of the resident rooms that allow them to sort of adjust their living environment independently. So instead of asking for someone's help to adjust the blinds, let's say, they can adjust the blinds on the windows themselves. They can just push a button, they can go up and down. The lights in the room, the temperature in the room, any of the media in the room. So if you wanted to, you know, watch your new show on Netflix, you can you can just call that up using the, the device. Um, and then as the building grows and as technology changes, as we all know it does so quickly, oh, yes. um, the device or the, rather the technology is meant to be really flexible so that we can add on different different things as the, as the building grows and as people's needs grows and as technology just changes. So now in terms of in terms of cost of the development then did that radically increase the cost of development or are you able to sort of offset the the initial cost by the fact that it's going to reduce sort of the the level of of care and maintenance in the yeah. long run. Well it means you can have a smaller staff team. So if you don't have to have staff that are responding to call bells perhaps or responding to emails or phone calls from residents because they need their blinds adjusted you can you can have a, a staff team that's then focused on what really needs to be done in the in the home instead of you know adjusting the stereo volume or things like that and lots of people have have devices already and they just don't realize how powerful they are think of the remote control for your tv that thing 50 years ago would probably seem a lot like the these devices do now it seems like it's really fancy and it's really powerful and 
it's something that we'll probably all have in our homes eventually very soon. And some of us, you know, already, already do. Like, so in, in specifically when we're talking about the, the actual um, app, is it, is it, are, are you, are you guys using like a Google home? Or are you guys using a, an Alexa? Yeah, good, Rob, I'm not cons- uh, sure about the app. So we're working with a company called Digital Lifestyles and I believe it's proprietary. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, t- tell us how long, how long has Inclusio been in development for? Oh, gosh, it feels like we've been dreaming about it for forever, but we were part of something called the Resolve campaign here locally. So it was nine housing agencies in the city had been going around for years asking for money to build more affordable housing because Calgary has had a 10 year plan to end homelessness. And as part of that plan, we just knew, knew we needed to build some more housing that was affordable for people. And what we were hearing from funders was that gee, you guys keep coming here and every day there's a new fundraiser in the office that wants money for housing. Why don't you get together and coordinate your asks? So that's what happened. So nine partners came together. The Resolve campaign was launched and that was a big part of the reason why this building happened in the first place. So we were able to fundraise with the Resolve campaign and a number of other buildings that popped up in Calgary that are um, affordable housing, really unique to particular agencies. But this building, we built it fast. Um, we did the groundbreaking in September of 2016. The construction of the building's done now, and we're just getting it operationally ready for folks to come in. The head chef has been hired and is getting the kitchen set up, and the staff is in the in the building now. So it won't be long. It'll just be a few weeks, really, until we see our first residents moving in, which is super exciting. Ooh, fantastic. Wow. So you have room for 45 residents and how many staff live on site as well there are no staff living on site we have staff in the building 24 7 but they don't live there uh so in terms of development then was it did did all the tech that's being built in did that add to the to the amount of time that it took to develop or not really i don't think it did I would say it didn't, but um, maybe the builder would say something else. But <laughs> I think it, you know, it adds to the complexity for sure. Like I didn't realize it at the time, and and this is the first time I've worked in an organization that's built a house like this or built a property like this. You have to think about the types of blinds that you purchase, and of course, when you're purchasing 45 blinds of this type, you have to order them well in advance. So things like you couldn't just go to IKEA and get blinds, right? You right. had to get some blinds that had to interface with this technology. You had to have light switches that connected to this technology. You have to have door controls that connect to this technology. So some thought has to happen in advance. I, I would think that Mike will probably tell you that it's going to be a lot easier to do this kind of work in advance like we've done than trying to take a an existing place and modify it later oh for sure yeah Yeah. now going forward do you see this as being a a fairly common way of developing spaces like this totally totally i think uh that this is something we would want to see in any future builds that we would do it's just going to be so helpful for people and so empowering too to allow people just to be able to have control over their own environment i mean we all know what it's like to have an office or home on the south side of the building versus the north side of the building. And just being able to adjust, you know, the temperature controls in your own room is just something that people should be able to do. It's just part of being in a home and being comfortable and feeling like you belong. And we we really, really want that for our residents. We want them to feel like they have a sense of belonging and community in this beautiful new place. And that comes with being able to have some autonomy in your own space. So is there also like in the app, or still like a call bell type system where if something is not working the way it's supposed to be, they can still reach out, reach a staff member? Mm, that's a better mic question potentially. Okay. I mean, we, we, have, we do have emergency plans in place for like if something 
happens with a resident where they might I don't know, slip or fall, um, but that would be separate from this system. Right. I guess if you're asking if they have trouble with the technology, then there's processes in place for that to be corrected to do some troubleshooting and such. Yeah, because I know like even with some home automation for, you know, Joe Public, sometimes, you know, your door lock may not unlock. So then what yeah. do you do? You call the locksmith and he comes and kicks mm -hmm. your door open. And, you know, so mm -hmm. <laughs> just kind of wonder what the, the alternatives are. Yeah, no, it's a good question. I don't know the details of the service level agreement, okay, but sure. perhaps Mike does, yeah. Well, can you tell us a little bit more about what other uh, services, uh, sort of getting off in Clusio, but uh, sure. t tell us a little bit what other kind of services and programs that Accessible Housing does provide. Sure. Uh, well, housing, the, the housing that we provide in community uh, has sort of evolved over the years. As I mentioned before, we started in the 70s with this one particular 12 unit home. But now we also operate a 10 unit home in Calgary that's considered a permanent supportive housing model. So it's for long term support for residents who've basically left homelessness and maybe they've got as well some mental health issues and addictions issues there. So there's a team there that helps support them. There's some shared accommodations. They've got a shared kitchen, a shared living room and shared washrooms. We have a program called Chinook House, where we have residents that their average tenancy there is well over 18 years, which is really fantastic. So it's people stay there. They don't want to leave. It's so good. And um, that's a number of apartments where we just provide some help getting folks in and out of bed or doing just some, sort of the daily living stuff like toothbrushing and, and um, getting dressed and showered. And then people basically head off into the world and go to their jobs and go to school. We've got a program which is uh, housing with intensive support, which is called Bridge to Home, which is a program where we pair individuals with a caseworker and they work between 12 to 24 months. It's intensive case management for people who have also left homelessness and we're making sure that they're getting settled in an appropriate place and community. So they're really in stabilized housing is the, is the thinking. So it's using a housing first approach and we help get them just more interconnected in their community, get connected with the doc, get connected with um, food, make sure that they're getting some income and just sort of stabilizing them and making sure they're more embedded into the community. And then, as I mentioned previously, we've got this renovations program called RAD Renovations, which helps people with low incomes apply and get a really awesome home modification. So we would maybe do some door widening, build a ramp out front or do a washroom modification for someone who's a wheelchair user and, and really struggling to get in and out of their home safely or even to use the washroom safely. And we've got a housing registry that's part of our website. We've got uh, a newer initiative called AccessibleUniversity.com, which is a place where anybody, uh, even in Vancouver, can visit AccessibleUniversity.com and find out how to make their home resident more um, more accessible. And we, yeah, we just got lots going on. Did that give you a, a good sense yeah, of yeah, absolutely. the wow, mattering of things? <laughs> very busy. Well, let me ask you this, and you may or may not know the answer to this, but is, is your particular organization fairly rare? Because I don't, I don't know of anything that's mm. that's like that here in BC at all. Yeah, I think that we are. Uh, we we definitely try to look for other organizations like us, and there are certainly loads of housing organizations. Um, seems to me that in my time here, I found that there's housing organizations that are looking for um, solutions for seniors. Yes, there are housing organizations that are uh, around affordability, and certainly we're about affordability as well. But we're very unique in that we're helping connect people to 
some barrier-free homes as well. So I, I think we are unique in that way. I don't know of anybody else here locally at all. Um, and maybe in BC, that's the case as well. Okay, another question for you. That's that's kind of a, a speculative question, but mm-hmm. do you feel that the the sort of the home automation aspect of of Inclusio, do you sort of see that as being able to be applied to other sort of assisted living um, scenarios that that would really you know again save money in terms of staffing and stuff, or mm-hmm. or even elderly senior care, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're asking if it would be you do, yeah, you, used in other places? Yeah, Definitely. Yeah. Um, it, it helps, it helps that our, the individuals that we serve are really, uh, you know, they're, they're leading edge. We've, we've got clients that we work with, um, that are going to university, that are going to college, that are working jobs, that are driving cars, like they're uh, really, really capable. Um, so having the technology is going to be, I think, pretty pretty easy um it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the right thing for seniors but i think that there is ways of making it uh, adaptable and modifiable to a bunch of different types of groups um we've we've got lots of residents who are just technology junkies and they've already been using like their Mm -hmm. their devices that you mentioned early right like the google home and things like that and they're using them really easily and and quite quite well so is Inclusio now full or do you have a waiting list? We, we haven't opened doors yet and haven't okay. moved in the first people. So that's <laughs> exciting. We've got, we do have some people that are ready to go and can't, can't wait to get in there very soon in the next couple of weeks. But we are still uh, accepting applications and there's a process online where people can submit their, their application. There's frequently asked questions online as well. So there's plenty of information if people want to find out more there's a video that they can watch a little construction video and some renders some beautiful pictures of the inside of the home as well great and actually why don't you go ahead and, and just uh, tell people where they can actually get all that information from sure you want to go to accessible housing so that's a c c e s s i b l e h o u s i n g dot c a slash inclusio slash so just hit accessiblehousing.com and inclusio will come up pretty quick on the home page for you and is the is the application process um, fairly lengthy, or is it easy to get through? Or um, it's, it does require some information about the person's health. We do require that home care has an assessment with the individual, and that helps us understand what the person's actual needs are. Um, do, are they going to need two people to do a transfer? Uh, we just need to get a sense of people's care. Right. Sure. Yeah, so this, there is a bit of um, there is a bit of information that is a bit more than what you would expect in your typical apartment down the street. And so maybe I zoned out earlier, which it's Monday. It could happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> you did mention you've hired the chef. What other services does Inclusio offer to its mm-hmm. to its residents? Yeah, so there's there's an awesome uh, head chef there now, uh, providing a couple of meals a day. There is twenty four seven care. So that means that in the night, if there is some sort of emergency or, or people need turning as well, that there's staff in the building to do that. So that's really fantastic. Um, there will be, there's community spaces on every floor. So something that we had had in our old building was like sort of a communal kitchen. And we found that that was really benefit beneficial for people that were just able to sort of connect and chat over food. So we've got community spaces on every floor, which is a big part of the priority for the building. And then we've just got um, like people in the building that are going to be there to help people do a bit of systems navigation. So 
if you if you maybe needed to apply for a little bit more funding from somewhere or you needed help setting up something with your doc there's somebody there to help you with those kinds of things did you guys watch the video on that on the page there because it maybe gives you a sense too. yeah i did um, even even the cabinetry is kind of cool right like so the cabinetry in each of the rooms is higher than normal so that a person with a power chair can get under there really easily get to the sink really easily the showers are just a roll-in shower uh, we have got a wellness room with a, a therapy tub so that people can have uh, you know a bath when they want to um, there's two elevators not one you know we would have yeah. that we're trying to go above code here above building code and, and surpass that so that people can really experience a, a sense of home and a, a safe place to live I think it'd be really great that if there's two wheelchair users approaching each other in the hall, they'll be able to pass each other. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. Well, and we think, actually, it's funny you say that because one of our uh, person that had lived in the old building and is coming to the new building, he's been through it himself. Yeah. We, we had some of those folks come in a few weeks back, maybe a month ago, and he said, yeah, the wide hallways, you can fit two or even three wheelchairs. <laughs> like, they can pass each other. I'm like, that's great. There's going to be races in the hall. Exactly. Hallway. That's yeah. what that means. Power chair races down the hall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. That's excellent. <laughs> oh, we've put ceiling tracks in every room over top of the bed so that people with severe mo mobility limitations can be lifted onto their mm. bed with an overhead lift. That's something that we put in in every room. We ensured that in the washrooms that there was all kinds of reinforcement around the toilets, for example, so that grab bars could be installed really well and just really solid right so we've tried to think about all of these things ahead of time the building's concrete construction i mean it's it's safe and quiet beautiful neighborhood it's it's gonna be amazing so i can't wait to talk to you again when we've got some some residents that you can talk to and they can tell you all these things for themselves <laughs> yeah actually we'd love that um let, let me ask you this though is, is this the first development that you guys have have sort of developed from the ground up well, we did the one in the 70s, right. <laughs> but yeah, this is the first one in a long time. The other properties we acquired later were properties that were existing, right? So right. this is the first thing that we've built since 1974. Yeah, and it must be so much easier just to, like you said, to, to build all the accessibility in at the, you know, at the, at the building level as opposed to renovating things. A hundred percent. Even outlets and switches, you know, we put the electrical outlets aren't way down at the bottom of the floor like they are in, a, in, in my house. You know, they're up two feet on the wall so somebody can put the their lamp right. outlet in the right. wall it's, it's at a higher it just makes sense right, right. so yeah. it's yeah it's definitely about doing it as early as you can and, and sure you know doing it some digital technology costs more up front but who cares like it's just it's i can't imagine having built this home without it it's gonna be better for the people that live there it's gonna be better for the people that work there yeah, and it's interesting that, you know, you were mentioning the ceiling tracks and, and being able to lift people. That's not something I would have ever thought of. So the attention to detail sounds like it's over and above mm -hmm. anything else. We even have heated sidewalks. I don't know if you've heard, but Calgary's had a little bit of snow. I've heard a little bit. This, yeah. this year, it's been, it's actually becoming this Twitter storm constantly. There's a couple of activists on Twitter lately that are just after the city about the snow clearing. Yes. So we invested in some technology to keep the sidewalks clear wow. of snow because even with the best snow removal, mm -hmm. you know, they can only really come once a day. So yep. we wanted people to be able to still get to the handy bus or out onto the sidewalk so that they can roll down the street and hop on the bus. And that meant that we wanted to have heated sidewalks. So they're always clear there now. Like what an amazing thing to have figured out early on. That's incredible. 
Yeah. So was there were there any things when you were in the development process where you you know you guys kind of forgot about one thing and you're like oh wait wait a minute well we've completely forgot about heated sidewalks. <laughs> well, I think generally we we even though the building is large, it would have been nice to eat, have the community spaces be even a bit bigger or have the patios be a bit bigger. We basically filled the footprint of the property. The property, we had a long-term lease with the city of Calgary. The city of Calgary was very generous in selling us the property at an incredible discount. Um, and then we've pretty much filled the footprint. So I mean, really couldn't get any bigger here, but it, it would have been nice to have even a bit more room. Um, and we would have liked to have maybe had some, you know, one or two bedroom apartments. These are studio right. apartments and studio plus apartments. And they're really roomy and they're really gorgeous. But I think the community spaces we would have liked to have maybe had um, had some more room there as well. Cause, um, yeah, you might want to gather all of your residents together and throw a giant party at the same time <laughs> and have the neighbors in, I don't know, <laughs> but you know, it's not meant to be in a party space. It's a house, right. it's a home. <laughs> so what are your current plans going forward? The plans are move folks in very soon. Um, we're going to be moving people in a few at a time. So a, a few per week in for the next couple of months and just get people living in the space and just see how it's going. And of course, as you know, probably know from having moved into places, there's tweaks along the way that we'll have to make. And we expect to have this really smooth running machine here this year. So we're super excited to meet lots of new residents and have uh, the neighbors around Inclusio get to know them and, and vice versa. So it's going to be awesome. We're pretty excited to open this building. And do you have any new projects similar to Inclusio coming up in the future? Not at this point. No, no we just want to really, we want to operate it and run it. And I think in a year, what we want to do is be able to look back and sort of think about how we can now use this, leverage this building and amplify it and have other people come see it, either duplicate it, learn from it, yeah. replicate this in other places in the world. Uh, it's definitely something that's worth doing. Um, so we would love to share the story of Inclusio, the success story of Inclusio in a year when we look back and uh, and share some stories of the residents as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll we'll stay in touch because it would actually be fascinating to um, to have somebody on the show who lives there. So maybe yeah, we'll, really we'll plan cool. to do that for, uh, the, you know, in the coming months. Good. Excellent. Well, you know what, Anita, thank you so much for joining us and chatting with us. Yep. Well, thanks for your time. I appreciate you reaching out. Thank you very much, no Anita. Thank you. And joining us now is Mr. Mike Dummer, who works for Digital Lifestyles, who was, of course, the home automation and accessibility developer for Inclusio. Uh, so, hey, well, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on and, and joining us today. You're welcome. Nice uh, to be here. Tell us a little bit about Digital Lifestyles in general, um, just about w what you guys do overall. I mean, I know I know you guys you know, had a huge hand in the uh, home automation and accessibility aspects of Inclusio, but just give us a, an, an overview of, of what the company does in general. Well, when we started out, um, obviously a lot of this technology wasn't around, so we, uh, we started out really as a, a technology cabling, um, audio video company. Uh, as technology progressed, you know, a decade ago, uh, there was lighting control, uh, various automation, uh, you know, there was nothing that was, um, there was no sort of all-encompassing automation system out there. It was all, you know, we would build things, we'd write our own software uh, to get what we wanted. Um, and that brings us to uh, sort of the last number of years, three to five years. And we've been heavily involved in, in the automation uh, world. 
uh, we do we do corporate stuff. We do we do boardrooms. We do uh, commercial. Uh, we do residential, and a big part of our business now um, is doing the uh, the accessible systems. So have you have it because these the technology, like you said, has been changing so much over the past ten years, and I would say that even over the past two years, there's been some real leaps uh, forward. Has it been a challenge for you guys to sort of keep up with the technology? Honestly, it's a challenge for anybody. Um, the, the, you know, when you say, well, even in the last year, there's probably been something from 9 o'clock to noon today. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, you know, there, that is a lot to wrap your head around. Um, I think one of the, the downfalls of, uh, you know, that, that sort of pace of development is that nobody ever gets really good and competent uh, right at what they're what they're really trying to accomplish because there's a, every number of months or it could be you know software updates and that could be weekly monthly you know every six months something significantly changes so it's a real challenge to get really good uh, at one thing because that those goalposts are constantly being moved right so in terms of you know what we have to do here um, we have to devote an incredible amount of time to testing mm-hmm. and, and trying it. Um, so, you know, although say, let's take for instance, a company like Apple or Samsung, you know, they're doing the, the research and development on this stuff. Right. Uh, you know, the big research could be Amazon, whatever, but they throw that out there to the end user and it's up to the end user or the integrator to decide how you want to apply that technology, how you want to use it, how it integrates with all of these other technologies. What I like to tell people is, you know, you've got a hundred companies out there. There's more than a hundred, but we use a hundred as an example. And not one of them gets together and says, we should actually make this stuff all interoperable. <laughs> they all have their own way of right. doing it with their own thing, and they don't give any thought to the fact that maybe this should work with uh, Samsung, should work with Panasonic, should work with Amazon, should work with Apple. It doesn't work like that. Everybody's trying to build their own ecosystem, right. and no one ecosystem or no one manufacturer has all the answers. And There's was- some progress being made in that. But very difficult and quite frankly that's our business we we actually make sense of all that stuff we figure out what uh what's going to work together we test it um and we we make it work and that was going to be my question you know are you guys pr- using proprietary software or do you use like control 4 do you integrate with HomeKit or some of these zigbee Z- z-wave type stuff we uh, part of it is our own software part of it is you know, our own code. Um, we use, as the backbone of our systems, we use uh, a URC system, which is universal remote control. They're probably the oldest guys out there. They also own uh, most of the control codes or database in the world. They've developed that. So chances are, if you picked up a remote control in the past, they made it. Might say it have somebody else's name on it, but it's them. Right. So uh, we've worked very closely with them in terms of developing systems for accessibility. They've been extremely helpful um, in coming to the table and doing things that they probably wouldn't normally do. I should probably give a shout out to their uh, their Canadian distributor, Stop Electronics. Um, they are they represent that company in uh, in in Canada, 
they have a, a fantastic uh, research and development um, uh, arm as well that have given us a lot of uh, assistance. And quite frankly, um, we take bits and pieces of all of these other companies and manufacturers and we nail them all together. Um, we've got some systems now. Well, you know, we've been doing this for a number of years, uh, so it's, it's not new to us, but we've refined it to the point where we know what's going to work and what's going to work all of the time. And, you know, Rob and I have talked about these, this ecosystem idea before. You know, I've got a Google Home. I've got a couple Amazon Echo Dots. I've got an Apple TV. You know, I, I haven't really committed to one ecosystem yet, and I don't want to. I want, like you mentioned, everything to be able to talk to each other no matter what device I have. So right. how, how far off do you think that is, or are we there already? You know, unless you're a professional in the industry, you're not there. Like, so for an end user, um, somebody that's going to go out and buy retail or, you know, sort of regular retail product, like, say, Apple HomeKit, um, it's not there. I mean, you're talking, you know, the things that we're talking about are, are lights, um, you know, shading, uh, locks, right. door openers. Um, you know, climate control, right? So all sort of these subsystems that are out there, and there's nothing out there right now that, as a homeowner, you could go out and you could say, "Okay, give me all. I'll go out to one place and I'll buy all of these devices, and it'll and uh, it'll nail it all together, and I'll be able to use it seamlessly and easily." Not happening. It just that's just not there yet. They like to tell you that it is. <laughs> Let's talk about, um, you know, the Google, uh, you know, your Google voice control or your Amazon voice control. So people refer, they erroneously, I think, uh, misunderstand that that is the device that's doing the heavy lifting. In other words, all I have to do is I have to buy this device, I plug it into my house, it connects to my network, and my lights turn on and off and my, I, I can control my climate. I can move my blinds up and down. I right. can unlock the doors. I can lock my doors and I can turn on my TV and I can change my channels. What people fail to understand, and this is not, you know, these companies don't do a good job of, of actually getting that message out there is it's simply an overlay and you have to, to have the infrastructure of all those individual parts and pieces for that voice control to operate. In other words, you've got to have a remote controllable blind, and then you've got to have a piece of software that hmm. goes with that blind so that I can just use my Amazon Echo to control it. And a perfect example of that, you know, before I'm just going to interrupt you here, is I just bought a TP-Link smart plug because my wife is, is out of town, and I don't know if my lights are on and off. So I have my Amazon Echo upstairs. I hooked up my smart plug. And lo and behold, you're right. I had to download and install a CASA app, which talks to the TP-Link, which then connected to my Wi-Fi, which then connects to my Amazon Echo once I enable the skill. So it's a little bit involved. Right. And it's one light. Yeah. Think... <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. You know, and that's that's essentially what we do. And if you're, you know, to put this in context, if you're, um, you know, if it's an accessibility system, you know, we're not doing this with just one lamp or one light and one door. We're enabling the entire house. Right. So depending on the size of the place or the complexity of the place, you're dealing with 
you know, you could be dealing with 25, 30 blinds. You could be dealing with 60 mm -hmm. or 70 different lights and combination of lights. You might have four or five doors. Right. Um, wow. And on and on. So generally that product that you're going to buy off of the shelf, it's not designed to do that. It right. really is designed to do one or two devices. Wow, and you're right, you know, the, the marketing really does make you think that you can just go to home hardware, pick up a smart, you know, a light lamp or something, and that's just going to seamlessly work with your, with your home. I mean, they really don't uh, divulge the fact that, uh, that it's a little bit more complicated than that. No, it's a lot more complicated. You know what's funny is that that's, it's almost like an error of omission. They don't actually tell you that it's going to do all this stuff, but they don't tell you it's not. Right, yeah. So, Everybody being, everybody being um, uh, like real optimistic when they buy something, it's like, well, it, hey, it doesn't say that it, it doesn't do this, so it must be pretty easy and it must do it. Well, Therefore, I can buy this thing for 60 bucks or $150 and it's going to do all of that. And the reality is it just, it just isn't. And then you didn't do your research, and you find out you need a hub. <laughs> well, yeah, you need a hub. And <laughs> You need a much more robust network. And then when you add up all the devices that you need, like so, you know, you take uh, lighting, for instance. There's, you know, there's smart light bulbs and there's some switches that you can do. Count up all the switches in your house and yep. try to change them all. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something you want to hire an electrician for. <laughs> yeah, and then, but then, you know, your electrician probably isn't software savvy. Right. So now you've got all the drivers and then you've got um, scenes and macros and various things like that that you're going to want to write. Yeah. So it's a, it's definitely, um, it, there's, there's a lot of, uh, um, how do I put this? There's a lot of skill involved, but it's a very uh, narrow and deep, um, skill set. So do you feel like this is partly because, you know, all, we have all these different companies that are kind of posturing themselves to try to, to try to sort of get ahead of everybody else because it's such a, it's a it's not a new industry but I think it's a little bit more it's it's new to the mainstream I think um, do you get it the is. sense that any of that's going to get better so it's very new to the mainstream and uh, again it's not like you know all of these devices or it's more of an idea than something that the average person can execute it's it's a transitional technology right now where where um, it, I, well, that's what I call it, a transitional technology. Unless you're a professional uh, doing this, you're going to encounter a lot of frustration getting this stuff to work. It's, an, it's, it's more for an enthusiast mm -hmm. um, until you can, well, you know, I, we'll call it the do-it-yourselfer. You can, you can make some headway as a do-it-yourselfer, but you're never, ever going to be able to um, come up with a, a smooth-running sort of global solution for your house or your business. Um, we know how hard that is, and believe me, it is not easy. Hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of money, time, and effort spent on making this stuff work. And if you saw how difficult, like let's take, you know, like you said, Control 4 or what we use, uh, a URC, a Universal Remote Control, or a Crestron, or any of these companies, the amount of R&D and development that goes into one of those to that those software and hardware systems is just astronomical. There's right. no way that, you know, when you look at that and you understand that, you you quickly, you know, you can relate that. There's no way I'm picking up a hundred and fifty dollar speaker 
and it's going to take and it's just going to work all of that stuff it's just not happening right yeah do you do you foresee a time when it's going to be better or, or have you even noticed over the past a year that some of it there is starting to move they're, they're starting to sort of move in line with each other you know what i think about this all the time i i would hope that you know in the next five years um that this stuff is going to be far enough along um that an average user can take this and get some usefulness out of it like so that it has it's meaningful um but you know i've been saying that for 15 years um i think until there is some standards mm -hmm. uh, overall standards in place uh, i think it's going to be very difficult think about it this way if you were Let's say you had a 100-room hotel. With the product offerings out there today, you could put a different brand of automation in every room. You can have 100 different systems. They're going to operate differently. They're going to program differently. They're going to put together differently, and they're going to use different parts. So extrapolate that out to your general public in everybody's house, condo, apartment, whatever. And so... How do you keep up with software development for something like that? Mm -hmm, right. How do you service something like that? Um, there's just too many players, too many choices, and everybody's doing it their own way as opposed to following a set of um, unified standards. And that's going to have to happen. So let's talk um, Inclusio specifically. Um, you know, 45 rooms, um, was this the biggest development that you guys have been involved with so far? Uh, it, it certainly is for the accessibility. Um, the way we looked at it is, you know, it's it's 45 individual residences. So in in terms of that, it you know, it, it wasn't a stretch for us. Uh, what was a bit of a stretch, and I, I don't think at this point it's been done, is that we're we've got a, a single internet or a network pipeline coming into the building. And we were able to divide that up into 46 areas, 45 for the residents and one for um, the management company and operate 45, you know, we've got 45 self-contained apartments in there and they're all completely automated. And every single person has their own security um, or, you know, secure connection. They've got their own application that they use. They're all identical and they all work the same way, but they're all individual and they're all private. Right. So could you, could you give us an idea of what each, uh, room would feature in terms of, uh, of automation? Yeah. Some of the stuff that I've mentioned before. So, you know, we, you know, one of the big ones, quite frankly, is, is the physical opening of and closing of the doors. Um, you know, they're obviously it's it's a commercial building, so uh, there's codes. You know, there's fire codes that have to be followed, so the doors are fairly heavy. Um, not easy for somebody with a disability, or impossible, quite frankly, to open and close. So, what we did is we managed to integrate um, a residential automatic door opener uh, into the system, and that can be operated um, via a single push button or an app on the phone, or if somebody wanted to by voice control, the 
that's dovetailed in there with the lighting, uh, with uh, automatic uh, shades and blinds, complete control over their, over their um, entertainment. So any TV, Apple TV, uh, Netflix, music, uh, that's all integrated. And it's all, like I said, it's very tightly integrated so that, you know, we've created certain scenes in there, or a certain button on, um, could be a tablet or a, a phone, and it says good morning. You hit the good morning button, the blinds come up halfway, the lights come up at a certain level, the door might unlock, um, uh, the TV will come on to a certain channel, favorite, and then they can operate it from there. And we have the same thing for good night. Um, and again, we have that operating in a, uh, a bunch of different ways. can be a handheld device or like a smartphone or a tablet. Um, we've got things in there, like a simple button. You know what a Staples Easy button looks like? You know, those little red buttons that you tap and it says right. that was easy? Yep. We've got something that's very similar to that. We've got a couple per unit in there. And we can program those buttons to do any of the functions that I just talked about. So if you want to, if you want to make that your good morning button, Boom, you just hit that. If you want to open and close your door with it, we can program it to do that. So sometimes it's, it's, um, it's going to be specific uh, to that resident. Um, or we can personalize it, I guess, would be a better, uh, better way to look at it. But everything that you would normally have to physically do, other than sort of cook your meals, um, we, we have automated for them. So somebody with very limited mobility... You know, if you can if you can move a finger or you can use voice control, you can operate your environment. So, I mean, developing that software that can can run all that. I mean, that must have must have been a, a huge, huge task. It was a huge challenge in that we have you know there's a lot of common doors in there as well. So they have patios, they have common areas and patios off each floor and and. Uh, the general contractor decided it would be a great idea, and it, it certainly is a great idea to put openers on all of those doors. So, you know, we had to seamlessly uh, make it so that a resident could leave their own uh, apartment where they have full control, and without changing a different to a different app or doing anything differently, that they could just now operate the doors, the common doors within the buildings, or that they could. Uh, let somebody in and out later on at night from the front door from the same application, the same way they do their individual apartment. So the coding got pretty intricate. It did. And the networking, you know, because mm -hmm. this is all IP controlled, it was, that was a, that was a huge challenge. But um, like I said, it, it, we've got that thing working flawlessly. We had, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. We had some help on that. We, you know, the, the, the manufacturer of the, uh, of the networking and, um, you know, our suppliers, they all came to the table. Uh, they put their best guys on it. And these are some of the smartest minds in the industry, quite frankly. We were very, very fortunate to have that type of help um, right to, you know, at a manufacturing level where these guys, they're engineers, they're research and development engineers. Are saying we would give them a problem we'd say we would like to do this we would like to have this happen and they would come back you know in two weeks and they'd say okay here's how we'll here's how we can do it so we 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 had it off a lot of potential problems and we gave them a lot more um functionality because of that and we're not done i mean that this is an ongoing project 
So from the time Inclusio and Digital Lifestyle partnered up, what was what was the time frame to get all this in and working? Well, there was a the construction process, the planning construction process was probably a year and a half, a year to a year and a half. We actually deployed these in about six weeks and had wow. them all working. We built everything here in our shop first and then deployed them all um, into the residences. Wow. It's, a, it's a very small footprint. We've got this down to a, a very small amount um, of hardware, uh, equipment hardware, I guess, and uh, it's sort of up out of the way. Uh, it's, you know, we can service, we can monitor and service this for the most part from our office. Mm-hmm. You know, if one of the residents uh, messages us and says, hey, I'm, I'm having trouble doing something, we can look in and we can determine probably what it is. And most of the time we can fix it from here. Right. I mean, that was going to be my next question was, you know, once, once, you know, the, the construction is done and, and the residents move in, I mean, your stories isn't done because you'll still be, you know, uh, contracted to actually provide maintain support and, and maintain the system. Yeah. You know, there's there, what we've learned, you know, over the years of doing this, and we've got quite a number of these out here and we've worked with, um, these individuals, We've, we've run across some great folks here that we've put these systems in for. And, you know, quite frankly, we've refined this to the point where we're not doing something just for the sake of doing it. We're doing something because it's useful and meaningful, and we try and simplify it to the point where there's very little that can or should go wrong. Having said that, there always is something that's going to go wrong. <laughs> right. We further refined it to the point where we can – solve most of that um, through a network connection here directly to our office. The, the stuff that we can't, um, you know, we'll, we get out there and it's not far from our office, quite frankly, anyway. So, you know, we send a tech out. And honestly, most of that is it's user error or, you know, it's power related or something like that. So, uh, you know, we it, again, we've, we've got a fair amount of experience doing this now. We've got got a lot of miles under our belt and sort of know what to expect right and sort of further to that i guess is that you know they've got a a management company or accessible housing calgary um a great bunch of folks uh what we do with them is we're in the process of training some of their employees to deal with the day-to-day operation of these systems so that they'll be able to take over most of the basic functionality and the basic maintenance right. on it. So once Inclusio is, is all finished, uh, do you guys have anything else, uh, any other big projects that are coming up? Uh, we always have individual projects. Um, you know, quite frankly, what we do is we take, you know, a portion of our, our, uh, our income from the other sections of our business, and we find we sort of, we donate a lot of these systems out there to people that need them the most. Wow. So we've always got some on the go. And you so I, essentially, we brought Peter to pay Paul in, in a lot of cases. So, you know, the, the people who need the systems the most generally are not the people that can pay for them, right. so to speak. So, you know, a, one of the things that I mandated a number of years ago here is that we were going to take a portion of everything that we made in other areas of the business 
and we're and with the help of our suppliers as well, uh, we're gonna you know we're gonna find the the people that can benefit and need these systems the most. And you know if there's a need there, we're gonna find a way to get them something. We can't do everybody like that, of course, but you know we do quite a number. Uh, we donate quite a number of these systems every year. Wow, it's fantastic. You know, quite frankly, that's how we learned uh, how to do, you know, we learned the intricacies of, of, um, of technology and disabilities uh, were these donated systems where we could work with these folks over a period of a year or two, almost on a daily and weekly basis to refine, refine, refine. And what I mean by that is how are you going to use it? What's important to you? What can you do? What can't you do? What level of of uh, technology and environmental control do you need? What would be, would this be good? Would this be nicer if we did it this way? You know, here's what you can do right now, but would it be better if you could do this? And then they start to catch on and they, they start to give you all the feedback. And it's like, hey, I can do it this way, but it would be really nice if I could do this. Or could we add this? Yeah, and it must be tricky because each individual has, you know, their own specific requirements, right? So... You have to be able to adapt you know, to that. We do, but you know what we did learn over the, the the last four or five years, quite frankly, is that you can distill this down to one overall and sort of encompassing system, and you can get ninety nine percent of what everybody needs in that one, and then there's there's just a very small percentage of personalization required after that. Right. You know, I think, uh, and this is a little bit off topic, but boy, when you get, you, you, you combine the technology that we have at our fingertips now with a self-driving vehicle. Ooh, and yeah. this is a, just a huge game changer for somebody that's in a chair. Wow. Mm -hmm. No kidding. Yeah. Like if you think about that, you, you know, you have full control over your house and your home environment that for the most part, you know, you can do your on your own now. And then you you add in mobility and transportation like that, where you know you can sort of just drive out and your vehicle will take you somewhere. Um, I see, you know, looking forward, the the roadblock there is going to be all the public buildings and and that that aren't set up for this. Right. That's obviously you know that conversation needs to happen. But uh, you know you you look at some of these other technologies uh, like. For instance, self-driving vehicles. People look at that and they go, "Oh, well, I'm going to be so much more productive going to work, or uh, you know, I can sleep, I can do this, I can do that." And it's, right now, all anybody thinks of is able-bodied people. Right? right. That's that's what it's for. Think of the impact for somebody that can't drive right now. That right. relies on uh, another service or family members or assisted mobility vehicles and a driver to get somewhere. This takes all that stuff off the table. Right. Yeah. No, I'm totally blind myself, Mike, and I can't wait for the day. Yeah, well, interesting. So my mom is, has been has been blind for probably 20 years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, again, if you could just, you, you could get to the car, you could just tell it where to go. That's right. Yeah. And, and there i mean just think of that's such a huge game changer isn't it absolutely sure and you, and you and you combine that with stuff like beacon technology where you can walk into the mall and then 
now you're having beacons and so now you're you're having your your smartphone or your smart cane or whatever telling you oh hey you know the gap is to your left um yeah i mean it, it could really change the shape of of mobility you know going forward it does it just it requires you know some thought to sit down look at all of these different technologies and then make sense of them and like i said at the beginning it's does it make sense is it meaningful can it be used is it easy to use you know if it ticks those boxes it's like well you know what why aren't we doing this yeah right why is it, why hasn't anybody brought that i don't ever hear that with <laughs> self-driving vehicles that's going to be you know for somebody who can't see and can't drive and there's a lot of people with like macular degeneration elderly people or whatever that you know you you don't have a, a driver's license they can't be driving they don't see well enough various things like that that solves that problem yep. it's a huge market out there Absolutely. nobody talks about it but you know it sounds like part of the frustrating thing about all these you know these burgeoning technologies is the fact that everybody seems to be developing them <laughs> that themselves yeah there's no real sort of overall sort of plan to put these technologies in place by one person so that that you know they can all everything can work together um yeah there it's it's very fragmented and fractured um you know it it's going to take some it's going to take it's a monumental task to get all of these guys to play by the same rules because you're talking about you know companies in different countries different cultures um you know a lot of this technologies are developed you know say in asia in china or japan and you know then a part of that technology is then embedded in something that's then made by a u.s company like you know you look at apple samsung uh very closely related on a manufacturing level but compete and their their products are completely different right yet samsung makes a lot of the guts and infrastructure for apple products right but they do it on purpose they want to capture you and for you to become part of their ecosystem so that you can't, they, you know, they have a, a captive audience. If yeah. everything, I, I actually don't even know how to phrase this. It, if, if everything was done to a certain standard, then every company would be required to compete on merit only, I think. Right. Pretty scary thought. Yeah, well, yeah, Probably I'm not sure. topic here, but if you think about that, if everything, you know, if if product A, product B, and product C all generally work the same way, well, you're going to make a decision based on your, your decision making has changed. Right, you know, exactly. You're looking at price, reliability, all these things. Like, you know, you're buying a, a refrigerator. A refrigerator, they all work the same way. Right. This, these automation products, they don't. Yeah. It's like once you're in, you know, if you're if you're buying into, you know, an iOS or an Apple environment, well, it only that's you're you're sort of you're bought in, and that's what you're going to do. That's right. If you're an Android guy, well, then you're bought into that Android system. It's it, it's it's not made to work together. You know, your Android, your app that's developed for Android doesn't work with iOS. That's the issue that we have. 
Yeah, and it will, and it will be interesting to see if this is something that, that needs to be addressed, you know, going forward. Because um, I, I don't think a lot of people, you know, especially, you know, especially people in the mainstream, um, you know, outside of the, you know, the professional world, nobody knows this. Nobody really understands this yet. So, um, no, and I see that that's a big hole that everybody's going to fall into. And, and, uh, let's face it. I mean, for the, the way that stuff, this type of product is marketed, there's a lot of stuff out there that's, it's price driven. So, you know, they say it's a, if you look at it, you'll say, well, it's a starter kit. Mm-hmm. And with that, you get a hub and you get a couple of light switches and you get another piece and you can go you can go home, you can install it you know, you spend a couple of days screwing around with it. You get it configured. What they don't tell you is, OK, so you, now you're turning off one or two lights and you can do a couple other sort of gadget oriented things. And if you wanted to expand that to actually encompass your entire home. Well, you're going to be paying the. You're going to be paying probably more than you would for a professional system. That's just how it works, and it won't work as well. That's the dilemma right now. That's that's what I, that's an issue that I see for sure. Well, and like you mentioned, even if you just go with you know Philips Hue light bulbs, you know sixty bucks a pop or whatever they are, and you want to do your entire house, you know it add does them up. add them up. Yeah, <laughs> it gets pricey quickly. Quite frankly, that's still not going to work as well, and it's not as it's not a, a, as good or an elegant solution as changing out your switches, right? And having, you know, like some keypads in there, right? Um, you know, because you still you still want to be able to operate your lighting. Then you have sort of redundant backup, for instance. You can always just go to the wall and turn it on and off. Exactly, and the one example I heard recently was that you know if you're doing just your light bulb and that light bulb is controlled by a switch on the wall that switch on the wall always has to be in the on position because if somebody walks by and turns it off now your voice control is not going to turn that light back on because you didn't do the switch you just did the bulb well you know what you brought up a really good uh, oh. um, uh, point there and that's with what we in the industry call it it, it, it doesn't uh, it doesn't give you a status feedback Right. Because that's a dumb switch in the middle, and the dumb switch can't let your automation system know whether it's in the on or off position. Mm, right. So, you know, that's one of the things that we work very, very diligently with is that everything that we do, uh, that automation system knows whether a device is on or off. It, we don't, the, the user will never know, never has to even bother with that. It's just, it just works. Yeah, nice. Wow, fascinating stuff. You know, to taking a look at, Look at your challenges that you have, um, or you know, look at the challenges that somebody, whatever disability that they have, and you know, generally there's a technology these days out there to alleviate a lot of that. And I would encourage people to look at that as opposed to just what we've seen is a lot of status quo. As I've been working in this industry a little bit, uh, I see. The technologies that they're working with, um, for instance, in you know the healthcare facilities or whatever, this these technologies have been around for years and years, and they haven't been updated. There are other solutions out there, and don't be afraid to just go out there and and ask or push that push for a solution. It's like I lo- I personally we we really enjoy the fact that you know our our clients out there 
we encourage them to say, I don't like how this works. I need, I need something better for this, or I need this to work a different way. And then it forces you to think about that and to come up with a solution. And, right. you know, for the most part, there is a solution out there. There is a, there is a, there's amazing things that can be done to make people's lives so much better. Uh, it's just a matter of asking. Right. And then, you know, really thinking about it. If you can think about it, we can probably do it at, at this point. Might not be the most elegant way right now, but we'll get you a solution. Mike, we want to thank you so much for coming on. This has been a great conversation. I love it. No, I appreciate uh, appreciate you guys having me on anytime. Uh, tell us uh, where people can find uh, Digital Lifestyles on the web and how they can contact you. It's triple W. Uh, it's digilife.ca, so that's D-I-G-I-L-I-F-E dot C-A. Uh, if you go to the website, all the contact info is there. Excellent. And you, you mainly develop uh, in the Calgary area, I'm assuming, or can you, w- you guys go anywhere? We can actually go anywhere. We're, uh, we're working uh, on something right now where, you know, if, if somebody in another province or another part of the country um, wanted uh, to take advantage of these technologies, um, we're going to be in a position where we can deliver that. Perfect. Okay. Thanks. Thanks again, Mike. Um, yeah, we'd we, probably love to have you on again uh, sometime and, and talk more about it, especially, you know, as this technology changes. Perfect. Anytime guys would be happy to do it. All right. Thanks so much, Mike. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Like he mentioned, <clears throat> a lot of people, including myself, you know, don't think about what's involved you know you see the commercials for the amazon echo you see the commercials for the google home or the the home kit stuff and you're like okay that's great that's let's get started i'll buy this kit for you know a 100 bucks and i get a light bulb and i get this and i get that but you know with my even this my smart plug i bought last week i plug it into the wall and then it configures itself to my wireless network right i connect to it and then I got to enable the skill on my Amazon Echo app. Hmm. So I enable the skill on my Echo app. And now I can say, you know, Echo, turn the light on. And it makes it click and the light goes on. I can say Echo, turn the light off. And it clicks and the light goes off. But I can't say Echo, is the light on? Because it doesn't understand that. Right. The other thing I can't do... Um, was I can't really create scenes and customize it. The best I can do is have it come on at sunset and turn off at sunrise. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to be able to program, a, you know, a schedule a time so I want it to come on at 5.30 and turn off at 10.30 when I go to bed, right? That that level of customization just isn't there, isn't there unless you're, you're sure. digging deeper into a system that will do that for you. Yeah, well... I think what was shocking to me was the fact that, and I didn't even think about it, but really, you know, I sort of bought into all the marketing where I could just, if I wanted to, I was just under the assumption that I could go to home hardware. I could pick up a, a smart thermostat, some smart bulbs, um, w- whatever, you know, the stuff that's out there, like Nest, for example, mm-hmm. uh, and just, and just you know, install it, and it's just going to plug in and work fantastically. I, I didn't I didn't really think about uh, the fact that you, there, there would be software to be downloaded that, that would need to be like, there are, there are apps still, like, like I said, with my smart plug, I had to download their app now with nest because it is a Google product. 
you know, if you're using your Google Home, it may just be a matter of, you know, connecting the wires and saying, okay, Google, set temperature to 25. <laughs> Not you, Google. <laughs> and it does. Yeah, we know. But see, there you go. You need the Google Home app. You got to sure. go in and add the device. Sure. You know, there, it's, a, and, it's a little involved. Sure. And, you know, that might be a little bit, you know, we may be sort of complaining to just complain because it's like that all across the board. Yes. Generally you buy you buy a product, especially if it's a, it's a smart product. Of course you're gonna to have to of course you have to set it up. Of course you have to yep. you know get an app and stuff for it. Um, but you don't hear that. But but it's but it really does sound like um, it's they're they're a little bit of a superficial solution. Um, it, it doesn't really go that deep, which was which was sort of what Mike was saying. Um, so, and, and it does sound like it's just a wild west out there in terms of, of this, this technology being developed. It, I didn't, had no idea that There's there tons, are so many tons, even if you were just to look at your Google home app or your Amazon echo app and look at the home automation, uh, or smart home skills that are available. You know, there's TP-Link, there's Philips, there's Zigbee devices, there's Z-Wave devices, there's yeah. Philips devices. Yeah. You know, it, it's just not one size fits all. And see, and this is where this idea of ecosystem, I feel like, mm -hmm. is, is going to work against the industry because it becomes too much of, uh, you know, t it becomes too complicated when it comes down to if you're if you're buying smart devices, because all of a sudden you're going to be like, well, you know what? I'm going to have to buy a blank, whatever blender if I want if I want to tie it into my home system, or I'm going to have to buy a certain type of TV because those are the only ones that you know are going to work with this device and this device and this device that I already have, and that limits the you know your consumer options, uh, in 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 as opposed to opening them up. So. It's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what the the next few years uh, brings to this, especially since this technology is really sort of new into the mainstream market. Yeah, and I think my main concern is is you know talking about the ecosystem. You know, if you're throwing all of your eggs in the Google basket, you know, if you look back at you know the last five, six years, Google's history of releasing products and, and canceling products is, is really high. So mm -hmm. let's say you, you buy a bunch of products that work with your Google Home, and lo and behold, Google decides to discontinue the Google Home line. Uh, but yeah, but you that's know, not going to happen. But we don't know that. We, no, we, it wasn't going to happen, happen with Android TV. It wasn't going to happen with their Nexus mm, players. Yeah. It wasn't going to happen with... They, they've thrown so much against the wall in the past. You know, voice control may be here now, but what's next? Yeah, I don't know, dude. I, so I, if you automate your home with all the switches and bulbs and wall outlets and everything else, whatever comes next is going to have to work with that, or you're invested. No, you I know? think I think the I think the Google Home, I, I think the the Google Voice Assistant stuff is. I think that's pretty much stuck to the wall. I, think I, that oh, that's, I hope so. I think that's here to stay. I, I, I don't so. think that there's any any fear of that. But, um. I mean, I think Mike's absolutely right. I mean, obviously there needs to be standards here, especially mm -hmm. when you when you factor in the fact that the the potential um, for accessibility is so large. I mean, th these are game changers for people who have limited mobility or or have accessibility issues. It can change their lives so much. It's important to have standards so that 
it makes that process a lot easier and you're not you're not faced with uh, a huge high cost uh, system like like digital lifestyles provides um, you know the you know as, as much as it would sort of kill digital lifestyles business model um, you know if it was just as easy as going to home hardware and buying a bunch of stuff and it would just work with each other and it, and it would provide real deep accessibility solutions for an end user on for for a limited budget i mean that's that's the ideal here yeah and you know i just kind of relate this to home theater you know there are standards but just because you buy let's say you know a 5.1 or 7.1 home theater receiver doesn't necessarily mean it plays all the formats you're looking for like dtsx oro 3d Dolby Atmos, you know, the surround sound enveloping new audio formats that are out. Some play one or two of them, some play all of them, some play one of them. So depending on the Blu-ray that you just bought, maybe it only supports Dolby Atmos, but your receiver doesn't support Atmos, you're not going to be able to get the full benefit of what's on that Blu-ray. Sure. And see, I don't you even know? understand half the stuff that you just said, so, <laughs> because I'm not an autophile. But again, it's all but, standards, right? But, you know? yeah, but absolutely. But I mean, and in terms of, and it's kind of always been like that, especially mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, the entertainment side of things, yeah. you know, like Blu-rays, you know, uh, DVDs. Remember, you remember, uh, what were they called? Uh, HD, HD DVD, DVDs and stuff. Thought was there was win. all kinds yeah. of format wars and yep. there always seems to be format wars in terms of that. Um, but when you're, when it, when it's as important as accessibility, it's a little frustrating to, to think that it's still the Wild West out there and mm-hmm. they're just all clamoring over each other to try to get um, an advantage over each other. It really, you know, it, it, needs to be, it needs to be sort of, there, there needs to be standards uh, in order for us to be able to push um, accessibility forward in, in, in this sense. So, but I mean, that's not going to happen because especially when you're dealing with the mainstream, because it's all about, well, that's just it. I think the mainstream isn't thinking about accessibility and, you know, I think, and I was going to ask Mike about this, but decided not to, I think the way he got into this was he had a neighbor or a friend who had a son with, who was a paraplegic or a quadriplegic. And I think they did some automation for him, but unless, you know, you know somebody with a disability and you're kind of in that industry, you probably wouldn't even think twice That's right. about accessibility in your products. You know, the nice thing is more and more companies are starting to realize that, you know, those of us with a disability have money to spend on products and are starting to release products with more and more accessibility feature, features built in. You know, Philips, some of Philips 2017 Blu-ray players have voice, voice output. So they have their own little screen reader to read up menus and that type of thing. Right. Um, but, you know, again, I think it comes down to marketing. If these companies aren't marketing that their products have accessibility, how do those of us with a disability even know those products exist? True. Right. So it's kind of a vicious circle. It is. It is. And, you know, it, 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 what it really comes down to is that accessibility needs to be a larger conversation across the board so that you know, any given new given technology or product that comes out, accessibility needs to be just, you know, it just needs to be a habit where that becomes part of that conversation about that product. And we're not there yet, but we're getting better. That's right. So all you Americans, litigate. <laughs>
<laughs> Wait, weren't you? You're, aren't you the same guy I had the litigation argument with a couple weeks ago? Where you're just like, yeah, less litigation. Litigation sucks. Now you're all about litigation. Well, I saw another Twitter post this morning where I think somebody filed a lawsuit against TD, I think, or or some bank that because their websites weren't accessible. So well, like, good. Oh, there's another one. Well, good, good. That but needs again, to happen. Did they approach them and even bring the topic I, who up? Who cares? It's it shouldn't. It's not. It's, it needs to be a be, conversation. I don't think so. I think litigate people. I'm all you about just said accessibility needs to become a bigger conversation. Yeah, and that needs to be, we need to, to strong arm them into that conversation. <laughs> Hit them where it counts. Litigation. Uh -huh. Let's be honest. That's the, money's the only thing that, that drives these conversations well, these guys for got the money companies. Coming out there, yin yang. What's a million bucks? Yeah, exactly. Anyways, holy cow, this has been an epic <laughs> show. This is so, this has gone so long, but uh, it's, it's a fascinating uh development this inclusio i mean let's hope that more of these start start appearing um it's it's a fantastic thing that these guys are doing and you know digital lifestyles as well like i, I really hope that more companies uh appear like this because it's so important and it sounds like they they do a lot of of uh of charity work and stuff i, I noticed on their website they have a big uh a charity concert every year um so yeah, they're definitely enabling and empowering individuals to be able to be independent. Yep, yeah, it's so good yeah. on them. So yeah, great job um, for for you know accessible housing, digital lifestyles. They're doing some amazing work out there in Calgary, um, and it's a fascinating subject. So I, I hope everyone forgives us for having a long episode this week. <laughs> but uh, there you go. So we should get, we should get out of here. All right, let's go. Uh, hey Ryan, Rob, uh, where can people find us? They can find us at www.atbanter.com. You can also drop us an email. Uh, we love email. Uh, I don't think we've gotten any lately, but... Uh, just from Allie. Just from Allie, our good buddy Allie. Hey, let's let's give a shout out to Allie. Shout out. Uh, for helping us out last week. Uh, it was very cool. Yeah, you will have to maybe do that uh, you know, again in the future. You know, If, if somebody's out there that listens and wants to sit in on a, on a show, hey, by all means, uh, let us know. We'll, we'll talk to anybody. Oh, we're lonely the floodgates especially, especially <laughs> let's open them <laughs> gonna have everybody in there yeah that's fine email us bring Ryan, it on ryan's lonely his, his wife's away for the week so that's right drop us a line uh yeah so you can do that at banter podcast at gmail.com you can also follow us on twitter and facebook yep at banter all one word and at at underscore banter for our twitter absolutely uh drop us a like if you like the show on itunes because that helps us out and uh what else uh, you can find mr steve barkley and the rest of us uh at canadian assistive technology that's www.canastech.com uh and mr rick chant if you've got a piece of assistive technology that is no longer working that's broken he can help you out uh, his website is www.chaostechnicalservices.com. I forget his phone number, but uh, it's there on the website. All right. Woo. Man, I'm tired. Monday, we're already working hard. Hardly working. No, that's no, not true. How <laughs> <laughs> about you? Uh, all right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I've been Rob Minow. And I've been Ryan Fleury. And... We Thank will see you.
<laughs> Stop it. And and we will see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com.